Curtain going up. Curtain going up. Places, please. Overture, stand by. Ladies and gentlemen, she comes to you from the cornfields of Indiana. She loves the Constitution more than she likes most people. Allow me to introduce Shouse in the House. Hey you guys, uh, this episode was really exciting for me to get to make. I had the opportunity to talk to Matt and he is an expat from Australia, just recently moved from there to Panama. And the reason that I wanted to give a prelude to my episode is because we did have some technical difficulties. I had to record on Zoom, which I've never done before. And um, so the quality drops out a little bit because of a bad connection every now and then. So I just wanted to apologize to you guys in advance. I tried to clean it up as much as I could. Um, I hope you enjoy the episode, though. I think you guys all know I try really hard to see outside of ourselves as Americans and this I think shed some light on uh, the reality and the truth of what's going on in Australia. And um, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Uh, yes. Maybe let's see if we have a bit more luck this time around. Yeah, no, I can hear you actually perfectly this time. So this is fantastic. Thank you so much for your patience and thank you for being so accommodating. I feel That's terrible okay. that we've missed one another and it's been crazy, yeah. but I have you here now and I'm super excited about that. Here we are. Yeah, that's right. Okay. (laughs) Um, so I want to, okay. So I wasn't actually in the space where you were discussing, um, your move and the the situation in Australia. Someone had just sent me your, um, your username and was like, Hey, you should totally reach out to this guy. So I literally, I know nothing about you, Matt. So you'll have to forgive my ignorance on some of the situation, but I, I want to just go ahead and dive into, um, Australia's handling of the pandemic. Um, you know, you just moved literally across the entire world to, from Australia to Panama. And so I want to kind of talk a little bit about your decision to do that. And, you know, was this a catalyst for you guys to move? Um, I, I want to know kind of your whole story. So let's start from, you know, the beginning, what's your background, um, what did you do for work? I know you quit your job to move. So start with that for me, if you don't care. Yeah, sure thing. So uh, look, I mean, I probably got what I would have considered my, uh, not really a, a dream job, but uh, look, it's, it's probably what I've been aspiring on and working for, for I guess a number of years now. Um, I'm basically an IT manager. Um, but yeah, it's like a, it's a very niche kind of uh area within IT that I kind of work within, but I've kind of worked for a while and I've managed to be able to get into a position whereby I'm a manager of, of several teams based over a couple of cities within Australia. Um, and you know, the, the, the pay was okay with that, or it was pretty good rather uh, with that. Uh, and I just started that job in June of this year. Um, so before that, um, you know, we, we, we were back into lockdowns back in what, uh, same as everyone, you know, it was just two weeks of flatten the curve. Uh, so we were thinking, <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll jump through that hoop. And then, you know, we're going to lockdown, okay, and it's going to be extended for a little bit. All right, fine. But, you know, two weeks has, you know, it's coming up to two years now, and it's pretty much lockdown and then lifted for a little while and then locked down again. Um, and, you know, again, we were very patient thinking, oh, yeah, this will, this will all kind of go out of soon. Um, but then, you know, we, we heard some, I guess, a little bit alarming reports as to what was 
talking in terms of emergency powers being extended, you know, a bit of a power grab happening. Right. Uh, and, you know, we, we really didn't really expect so much around about June. That's why I, I applied for this job and I, I got the job and I was happy in the position as well. But it wasn't really until probably around about August that we, we started hearing that, uh, you know, there's going to be this kind of apartheid, uh, so to speak, between those that are vaxxed and those that are unvaxxed. There's going to be those people losing their jobs, um, uh, basically us not being able to go into certain shops. So I, for a while, we couldn't even buy clothes for our kids, which, you know, little kids grow pretty quickly and they'll, they'll need a, a pretty steady supply of uh, clothes. Um, restaurants we were banned from and uh, yeah there were people losing their jobs and, and one of the alarming things that we saw is that uh, you know I've had a couple of family members with some mild but some serious adverse effects um, on these um, the vaccines um, and, and look I'll just kind of dismiss anyone that's thinking okay lines will be okay this person's been anti vax so no no we've had all the vaccines up until up until this this one here was just a uh, a bit alarmed as to some of the results that we've seen with some friends and family members. Um, I was thinking along the lines of, you know, look, you know, if I need to be able to get the backs to be able to, you know, continue to support my family and, and whatnot, then so be it. Uh, but my wife was against that and I didn't really want her getting that either. Uh, but the, the main drawing card was that um, in Australia, it looks like that there's some legislation being proposed as of around about March 2022 that they were going to be vaccinating kids uh, without needing to seek parental authority or permission from the parents. But it, that would basically tell them after the fact, oh, yeah, your kids have been vaccinated. Good luck, so to speak. And we were just kind of against that. And we're like, well, you know, we don't want to be dictated as to how we're going to live. Right. Our kids as well, especially for their health. We would like some options and some, some means of, you know, not really being coerced into this. So... Look, I mean, if, if, if the government wasn't so uh, draconian as to what they were doing uh, from their end, we probably would have gotten the vaccines by now. You know, we wouldn't have thought anything about it, but it's their approach to how they wanted to kind of roll these things out. Uh, and then even still, you know, that there's lockdowns and there's always this carrot being dangled in front of the populace of, okay, once we reach 70%, we're going to lift completely out of uh, lockdowns. Well, this is 70% of people being vaccinated and then 80%. And then 90%, now it's 95%. And look, this whole carrot on a stick has gone on for far too long. That it's been almost two years for two weeks to flatten the curve, and there's no end really in sight. Um, so we just decided back around about in August to uh, start making some plans, uh, and have a look at some areas that would accept us. Uh, and Panama kind of came as this, the best of all the, the pros with the minimum amount of cons to it. Uh, so here we are, and we, we started that process, and uh, we've actually been here since November 3rd. So a lot to learn, but uh, yeah, we're on the path of uh, trying to figure out uh, what, what the future holds for us. So, yeah, It's really interesting, and I'm not going to share who, but I have a really good friend who lives here in the United States and is currently working through the process of moving to Panama himself. And it's interesting that one would come from Australia, one is leaving from the United States. I feel like Panama is like the place to be these days. So, <laughs> well, the, yeah, so there is some pros and cons. And look, I mean, I remember probably around about late August, you know, I was suggesting Panama to my wife and she was nearly biting my head up going, what do we know about Panama? You know, there's, we've never been there before. 
you barely know anything about it. Uh, so like, okay, well, let's let's find out about some places that um, that are options for us because we were looking at other places around Australia, uh, but each seemed to be you know worse off in, in one way or another. And the ultimate decision was, okay, look, like we're happy to look outside of Australia. So what are those options? So Panama has a few good things going for it, uh, but it also has some challenges as well as we kind of discussed along the way. Uh, so internet can be a bit sporadic. Services are not kind of up to the whole standard of, okay, if something goes down like electricity, you kind of need your own generator as well, which would kind of help. Uh, if you're wanting to do something like run a business, my, my wife is fortunate enough to be working uh, still uh, in Australia. So she's uh, well, working remotely from Panama in Australia. So she's still adjusting the time zones. And we need to make sure that, uh, you know, we, we have backup internet. Um, so we'll, we'll eventually be able to, you know, use a hotspot if we really need to, but uh, we found a place to have Wi-Fi and we're going to eventually get a, a little uh, dongle as well to be able to allow for connection. So there's a few challenges and, and obstacles to be able to overcome. Um, but yeah, look, Panama has some, some great prospects for it. They've opened up to the idea of, you know, allowing for a free market and have really benefited from uh, allowing, you know, people to come in as tourists, as, uh, as retirees. Uh, the income tax is, well, zero. Uh, I've, there's been a bit of a question as to uh, the income tax, but basically the income tax is zero uh, for earnings made via the internet, uh, at least at the last check-in. So we're, we're going to try to speak to a tax uh, attorney on that to be able to say, okay, possible, can we lower our tax obligations if we're willing to live here and spend our money here? Uh, what can be done on that regard? So look, we're, we're kind of looking at those options, but an interesting one as well for anyone that's uh, Bitcoin enthusiast is that it looks like that sometime uh, next year uh, they're looking to be passing a bill that will allow cryptocurrencies to be uh, legal tender here. So, uh, so that's a, that's an interesting thing that's kind of unfolding. So they're really kind of just opening up and, and basically allowing people to start to live their lives. They, they did clamp down here in Panama uh, around about early 2020, and they realized it's not sustainable uh, that they have to open up eventually. So it's looking like in about two weeks, the last restriction, which is masks in public, is going to be lifted uh, if, if all goes to plan. So, uh, but again, it, it's been really good here. You know, we can shop for clothes, we can go to restaurants, um, and it doesn't look like that there's any real coercion being forced on the public here, that they have to do one thing or another. And yeah, it's just, we're still learning things as we go about the areas that, you know, the so-called red zones, which are the areas not to go to, but for the most part, it's, uh, it's a friendly kind of uh, very warm and, and welcoming people. And uh, we, we've actually found uh, some other kind of refugees from around the, uh, from around the world, well, from Canada, which uh, was... Man. Okay. So you got your dream job in June and now you have quit that job and are currently, if I understood you correctly, unemployed. Is that scary for you? Like, was it was it scary to just pack up your entire life and leave? Yeah, look, it, it was actually. And, and most of the time, you know, we're thinking about, are we doing the right thing for kids? Right. Uh, because I've got my oldest daughter who, um, you know, we kind of promised her around about two years ago that, uh, you know, this would be the last place that we're going to move to. Um, but, you know, we, we didn't see anything like this happening. Um, so it was, unfortunately, you know, we had to basically say, I'm sorry that we, we said that, but we're basically having to break that promise and we're having to move you right to the other side of the world away from all your friends, which 
you know, being a, an 11 year old, they decided to form like some close bonds with some friends. And we basically pack it in and we're trying to be as accommodating as possible you know, to be able to allow them to be able to chat and message with their friends and stuff like that. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, you're on the other side of the world and there's the time zones. And, you know, after a while of being apart, we're afraid they'll kind of grow apart from one another. Um, some of the close friends that they've made. So uh, it is a little bit heartbreaking. And yeah, we've, we've kind of had to uproot our lives. But, uh, you know, we just wanted some more, more choices uh, as to what happens to us. You know, we're, we're adults and we don't want, you know, a dictator or a tyrant kind of saying, you're going to be able to do this when we say so. And, you know, we just wanted more options for ourselves in terms of how we can take care of ourselves medically. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, yeah, it, it, there has been some scary moments in that. Uh, and, yeah, it was a, it was a good job. Uh, I liked it a lot. But, uh, you know, ultimately, we just, you know, we've been working for a while. We gave up on the share market. So it seems for, for a substantial amount of time. Uh, until you know we can kind of make it happen for another job, a remote job, uh, or otherwise, gee, I don't know, I'll try my hand at coconut farming. Uh, <laughs> you can go down to <laughs> the uh, island and start making drinks, just be a cabana boy. Yeah, yeah, no, that's <laughs> true. Uh, uh, all, all, all in consideration, I suppose. But uh, yes, yeah, but in the meantime, we're just kind of looking at uh, all the hurdles that we've got to look at uh, jumping through here in Panama. Uh, I'm just trying to get our bearings as to, okay, where are some of the places that we can go to? We know there's some areas that are more expat uh, friendly uh, and a lot of expats fl uh, flock there. Probably around about 70% 70, 70 of them are from uh, the US uh, because you've got the same currency here. You've got the US dollar, similar uh, time zones. Um, there are a number of people that speak English, but you know, ultimately you're going to have to learn the language. So uh, again, for the next couple of months or so, my main priority is to be able to you know, look for a way that we can get the kids back into school, whether it be completely remotely or for one of the other schools that they, they have around the, the main city, Panama City, or otherwise towards uh, an area, an expat area called Poquete that we're going to be checking out uh, from about next month or so. But also all the, the visa requirements as well, just making sure that, you know, we're setting up a bank account where uh, we're able to transfer our Australian driver's licenses to Panamanian driver's licenses uh, and look for Spanish lessons as well while we're here. So there's a few things that we're trying to iron out. Uh, so we decided to spend the first month in the main city before trying to branch out and uh, explore some of the other regions or areas that are a bit further away. So that's, uh, that's kind of the plan. Uh, but, you know, we, we're finding a lot of great people that are also expats that are also in similar positions as well that are just so warm and welcoming to be able to offer help and friendship and they didn't even know you, you know. So it's like, oh, yeah, I know another guy in a similar situation that you've been through and they're willing to help you out. You know, they'll, they'll meet up with you and you know, the chat saying, okay, do this, do that, make sure you don't do this. This is a uh, football in, uh, in their culture, so you know, be wary of that. And little things like this, that's, uh, yeah, it's really surprising that there's been so many people that have gone out of their way to try to help uh, when and where they can. So it's, uh, yeah, it's been really good. Do you feel like since you guys have arrived in Panama, I know originally when we were supposed to speak the first time, um, I think you guys went ahead because of circumstances, 
Um, I think you guys went ahead and went, you said you were going to go to the beach that day. Do you feel like your kids have, you know, kind of breathed a sigh of relief and, and you're starting to recognize as parents that this was a really good move for you guys to get your kids out of what I would consider to be an oppressive environment to move them someplace that's a little bit more free? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're also kind of shielding the kids to, you know, what we want them to be able to see. Uh, so we're kind of hanging this a bit more as a, a long holiday that we're going on, an adventure for the kids, because again, the, the kids were, you know, they were a little bit upset and had to by their friends. Um, and we didn't okay. really want to kind of, yeah, like distract them too much. Uh, sometimes, you know, that they'll be really excited when they see something here, like a new beach and they're able to play on the beach and you can kind of play in the pool, but, uh, you know, um, a place with a pool as well as on the beach. So, you know, we're, you know, we're not really trying to spoil them, but we're trying to show them all highlights and the, the positives here. Sure. Um, to try to kind of change their perception because it is it is a culture shock. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that would only speak Spanish, probably find around about maybe, uh, probably around about 30% of people speak Spanish, uh, sorry, uh, speak English. Um, although, you know, we find that a lot of the time there will be people that will say, oh, no, I don't speak, I don't speak English. But then, you know, you, you probe them a little bit and they'll speak almost fluently English. And you're like, you're, you're, you're English is fine. They're just a little bit shy to be able to speak it. So right. there is this culture shock and we, we're trying to highlight the positives um, and not necessarily kind of downplay any of the negatives. We don't want to gaslight them, so to speak. You know, if they see something that's, you know, what's that all about? Well, you know, there's razor wire on certain buildings and, you know, it's not something that we used to see in, uh, in Australia. Um, but uh, it's uh, yeah that they they have a bit more of a uh, a concern for security here in some of the, uh, the areas. Um, but you talk to a lot of the locals, and they're basically saying that it's uh, you know it's fine, it's a safe place to be able to, to be in. Um, but uh, you know again, the reason why that kind of makes you think second think that I suppose so that's in, in the heart of Panama City. Right. So, yeah. Um. I was going to tell you, you were saying something about learning Spanish. Um, there's an application that my daughter has been using to learn Spanish. And I, I mean, it's a very popular app, but it's free. Um, it's called Duolingo and it works really, really well. She's done very well with it. Yeah, no, we, we've got that for the kids as well. Um, and it does seem to be really good. Uh, you know, you've got the option how how intense you want it to be every day. So we've kind of Directed to be uh, doing 20 minutes a day. Um, I was one. We're getting another device for our for our youngest uh, kid as well, so that way she can do it independently and share the same device. So, you know, kids will be kids. So yeah, so we have actually got Duolingo, and we're looking for another device. To that, uh, awesome. Have a second device so they can kind of learn that, but we kind of wanted something also a bit more structured as well. Um, and you know, we, anything to try to make it as quick for us to be able to pick up. A culture here. Um, we're looking at enrolling at uh, some formal classes as well here in Panama. Mm-hmm. That way, there's also maybe some of the nuances that we kind of get used to. And yeah, there's, there's a few things that I'm still trying to get my head around. Like, you know, a pineapple is considered female, whereas another object will be considered male. And you're not too sure when to refer to something as a female <laughs> or male. Uh, also, double L. Is, uh, is a Y sound. The Y sound, so, yeah. Yeah, and there's, yeah, there's a few things, and I'm not sure if there's on top of that an extra layer of specific Panamanian things. So if we can get something specific to Panama, 
that might kind of make the, the learning curve a little bit easier for us and we can make sure that we don't offend anybody by calling them a female when, you know, when it's the male or something like that. So I'm not really sure. But, uh, yeah, anything to try to make this, uh, I guess, as smooth as a transition as, this, uh, as we can because, you know, we've been thrown into the, the deep end. It feels a little bit easier. So we're just trying to uh, yeah, make things happen as smoothly as we can. But cool. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, I know you're not in Australia anymore, but so it's really interesting going through because hindsight is 2020, right? So as I go and I look at preparing for our conversation, I was looking at some different articles to try to get some perspective on what the situation is like, because every single Australian that I have spoken to on like a Twitter spaces or something along those lines, even just a casual tweet about, what may be going on in Australia, I get, it's probably the country who has people most vehemently saying that what's being represented is incorrect, that it is not bad, that if you just quote unquote, do what you're told, everything's fine. Like Australians have really become to me like the one country that really wants you to think that everything is just a-okay there. And it's hard for me to like really ascertain what that looks like. It seems like you guys had some very strict lockdowns and then they kind of backed off a little bit. And then there was like one person, I guess, that started um, the Delta eight pandemic there for you guys. And so they've been going through like, I mean, like I, I've, I've seen two videos that were incredibly concerning to me. One was a video of a, a young gentleman he looked to be like maybe mid to late twenties at oldest, early thirties in his apartment. And he was being escorted by the health officials into a vehicle to go to like a quarantine facility. Yes. Yes. And, and it said the words in or the word indefinitely, like (laughs) there was no determined period of time that he would be released to go back to his home. And precisely that's right. And then there was another video that I saw where, and I want to make sure that I represent what I saw properly, but it, it seemed to me, if, if I understood correctly, one of your admin, like, it was like, they were going to work sites to check people's vaccination cards. If they were, it was like a construction site and there was a gentleman who was there who didn't happen to have his vaccine card with him. And he was immediately sent home without pay for the day. And like, do they really have people going to all these places, like actually checking cards? Like, is it really as it feels very Gestapo like, like it feels very, let me see your papers. Are you uh, the goodies or the baddies? Like, that's what it feels like to me. It, was it really like that? Or am I just seeing it from the lens of, of bias? Yeah, well, look, no, you, you would actually see some of those things. Uh, so another thing that we had, and, and we just finished the, the plans for our house that we were going to build in Australia. We just finished those at around about August as well, probably September, August to September. Um, and, you know, we thought to ourselves, we're only allowed to have two builders on our site, like two physical people building our house at any one time. What? As, as trouble, yes, that's right, yes. So you can only have 
Uh, at the time, we could only have two people on a work site. Um, and then that was it. That was the maximum amount. And we're just thinking to ourselves, we're not going to take be like to years to build an entire house right? with two people. On, on, top of the, on top of the stress that there is to already build a house, these extra complications and costs were just looking like it was going to blow out so much more. Um, so, we're, yeah, we're in the process of, of selling that, that house. Uh, oh, sorry, the land there, rather. Uh, we were hoping to build out our dream house or was sitting on a mountain overlooking the river perfect beautiful but uh we're having to say goodbye to that now so yeah so also um you know you'll go to a shop um you know to be able to buy clothes for your kids no sorry you don't have your papers with you you can't allow you in um if you want to get food from a place as well also same thing if you want to go to a restaurant uh you know you, you won't be able to and just as we were about to leave this is probably at the end of october we started to see that there was actually uh, medical centers that were stopping people from coming in due to their vaccination status. Um, which, you know, they go the Hippocratic dose. Basically, you know, if, if, if a person decides to not wear a seatbelt, you know, you treat them anyway if they've had an accident. You know, you don't say, well, they decided not to wear a seatbelt, so they deserve everything horrible going to them. So no matter right. where you kind of stand on the, the whole vaccine perspective, whether you, you have a vaccine right now or whether you don't, you should be appalled by this happening in a Western, quote-unquote, civilised society. Um, so, yeah, so we, we started to see that happening, that there was two medical centres um, that were saying, you know, we're, we're going to not allow certain people for medical care to be able to come in. Um, and also it looked like uh, there was a few shopping centres as well, which are basically, sorry, you can't buy food if you don't have a vaccine. So, um, yeah. And it's, yeah, you, you saw this, you saw the signs up as well, uh, the signs, um, you had to kind of scan wherever you went. So if you went somewhere that was not inside your house, and even after that, um, sorry, you were only supposed to leave your house for about an hour, and that was just to exercise. Um, and then that was, you have to go back straight into your house. Uh, in some areas, couldn't buy food for yourself as well. You were expected to, well, they had allowances that we kind of ordered online stuff like that, but who knows if that kind of gets closed down in the, the near future as well. Uh, so there, there was just so much evidence. Oh, and and one of the things that we saw as well, so on Twitter, I also got invited to a, a group which was uh, of lawyers. Uh, there was a mixture of university kids that were kind of getting mentored by older, maybe some retired lawyers, uh, and they were, you know, appalled by what was happening even if it has been enacted yet, the laws that were being written into Australia, which is uh, it's probably coming to light right now that there's a, uh, a premier uh, of a state of Victoria that's basically after indefinite emergency powers. That way they can even ban elections if they so choose because, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a state of emergency right now. We can't allow elections. So I'm just going to declare myself the premier of this entire state for the foreseeable future. Uh, so they, they kind of saw this writing on the wall for a while, and now it's basically people are trying to protest this now because it picked up a lot of uh, uh, noise about it. Uh, and another alarming one was, um, uh, an alarming event was kids uh, are able to be vaccinated against their parents' wishes. Uh, so if a 12-year-old decides that they want to be able to get that as medical treatment, they don't have to advise the parents or they don't have to seek permission from the parents. 
it was going to be done at school from about March 2022 onwards. Um, and yeah, if your child needs CPR because they've passed out, you have implied consent to be able to give them treatment uh, because they can't consent to it themselves. So if someone's unconscious, you're allowed to give them CPR and it's implied consent to save their life. So likewise, they'll use those laws to be able to say, oh, it's implied consent that because the kid is at school, wow. we're allowed to give them this injection that, uh, you know, the parents would have to agree to um, and, you know, that there could be possible side effects. Um, and it was just, again, no, no matter where you stand, stand on the whole vaccination status, normal people should be appalled by this type of behaviour, as most people would have been in 2019. Now it's just, oh, yeah, the, the, the water... Temperature has been turned up a little bit, and you know, uh, here we are, frogs in a in a pot, and you don't even notice now. Uh, but yeah, you just see some of the the rhetoric coming out of, of everyday people that you, just, you didn't see it once upon a time. It was only a matter of two years, and society's changed quite a lot. Yeah. Why do you think that? Okay, so. I'm always obviously I'm interested in outside perspectives, right? I think Americans become very um, egocentric as far as our own country and our little bubble that we live in. So I try really hard, you know, to look at outside perspectives, but it seems that even I would argue on a larger scale, you guys are experiencing significantly more, um, shall we say, (laughs) dare we say fascist behavior in Australia. What do you think is contributing to the people who are standing behind this type of governmental overreach? Like it here, it just, it blows my mind. We have rebellion and freedom in our blood. And there are so many people begging the government to make decisions for them, tell them what to do, um, tell others what to do. Why do you think so many people, even in your country, in my country, why do you think they're going along with it? Yeah, look, it's, it's hard to say, really, and it probably comes down to their perspective, like, probably around about, even as much as six years ago, um, people would have, uh, sorry, to, to answer your question more, it's probably along the lines of, it's the right thing to do, is their mentality behind it. Uh, there's this killer, uh, this killer virus going around, and in order to be able to protect other people, we need to do X, Y, Z, and yeah, it's very much polarised between you're, you're, you're either in this camp or you're the enemy. There's no gray area here. Right. Um, yeah, like why it's happening in the US, I'll, I couldn't really say so much, but you, you guys there in the US seem to have a bit more of a legacy of rebellion uh, than what we have here in Australia. <laughs> the sad uh, thing is country. Australia started as a penal colony. It's going to end as a penal yep. colony. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. And, you know, we, we could have seen the writing on the wall, but I think probably one of the main things that you guys have uh, is your right to bear arms, which is something that's been all but almost squashed here in Australia. Um, Because back in 1996, there was a uh, mass shooting that happened in Australia. And the government at the time says, well, clearly it's the uh, the tool that's to blame here. So, you know, everyone hand in your your semi-automatic and so they did because on the basis of, okay, it's the right thing to do, is to help people, uh, and that was the mentality behind it. But the United States seems to have this legacy of scepticism towards this government, and rightfully so, because, well, 
it seems that Australians didn't have that so much or only a few had that type of mentality. And look where we're standing right now. Uh, and it's, it's pretty obvious right now from looking at it from that perspective. Uh, probably now, um, but yeah, I think that uh, the way that your nation was formed, the US, uh, you, you formed your nation through a civil, oh, sorry, a, a revolution. Uh, you fought the Revolutionary War. It was kind of handed to us in a sense, but we were always tied to Mother England um, from here in Australia. So we were always kind of kept on a leash, and at times the leash was lengthened or shortened, depending on, you know, how our benevolent overlords decided to be able to embrace us with whatever prosperity they decided. Um, so, yeah, so look, I mean, I think just, yeah, there is that difference in culture, uh, but trying to kind of stir up that, that rebellious uh, uh, streak within Australians is, is a little bit difficult sometimes because they'll see that, yeah, uh, anyone that's, that's against this is, is against us, so to speak. Um, so yeah, it's just, yeah, there, there is that different culture. So you, you mentioned, um, our right to bear arms as you see it potentially being a deterrent to our government overreaching to the extent by which Australia has. I'm curious what your thoughts are on our right to bear arms, just because I find many times, um, especially England, like a lot of people in other countries are like, well, do you really need those? So I'm curious to hear your perspective on that. Like, do you think that it's a good thing that Americans have the right and the ability to carry weapons? It, it seems to me that it only becomes apparent when the event unfolds. So two years ago, I would have probably said, well, maybe we don't need the right to bear arms. Now it's pretty apparent that, you know, if, if you're not, if you don't have the fear of the government, uh, and they'll, they'll step all over you and do whatever they want to do, basically. So um, just to be able to give a bit of a perspective as to what it was like, so probably around about three years ago, I started the process of trying to be able to a firearm here in Australia, which is a difficult process. Uh, so you need to be able to obtain a license first. You would need to also uh, say that you, you, know, you need this license and to be able to give reasons to why you need the license. So I myself would put hunting. Some people would do just for target shooting for a sport or something like that. And depending on what your, your answer is to that, you will need to be able to um, do an event. So basically you need to prove that you're actually actively using your license, your, your rifle or your gun license, every three months or sometimes every six months. If you can't prove that, then they'll take your license away from you and your firearm away from you. You need to make sure that it's kept in a safe, you need to be able to, and this was the crazy thing, you need to be able to request for a permit. So I ended up getting up to this stage here in Australia, which was um, a request to be able to request for a firearm. Um, which, what? Uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. But uh, after going through all this paperwork of just trying to find out how do I actually get a permit for this specific rifle? So I've, I've got a license now. I want this rifle. And you ask the government for a rifle and very deep in this uh, in the firearms uh, New South Wales website. You find a link and it's a broken link and you'll go somewhere else. There's no number to call. Uh, but you finally find out where you can actually request to be able to request for a permit. For, and I'm not sure if there's another request on top of that because I got out of Australia before then. But um, 
yeah, the, the amount of hoops that you can jump through, and even still, that's a, that's a either a, a long distance rifle for hunting foxes or kangaroos, uh, and there's much more hoops and hurdles that you can jump through to be able to obtain uh, a pistol. Um, so yeah, so basically, I would say that the right to bear arms, it's only needed when it's needed. If that kind of makes sense, right? Yeah, you don't realize that you need it until the moment comes. Uh, because right now in Australia, you know, you'll hear people talking about certain things like, oh, you know, we've got to, we've got to do this, we've got to do that, and I won't implicate anything or, or, or say too much. Okay, what, what are you expecting to do now? Um, you know, it, it's already, for the most part, it seems like it's gone too far. It's, uh, you know, most, most of the Australians are, are gone too far in terms of they, they don't really appreciate, you know, human rights. They don't right. appreciate the right to be free. Um, and it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. But, uh, you know, if, if you don't have people that are around you thinking the same way as you do, you stand somewhat of a good chance as far as I can see. Yeah, your big brother monitoring has has vamped up significantly. That was another thing that I noticed Um there was a gentleman who was supposed to be in quarantine and they had tracked him through traffic cameras, um, gas station receipts, and they had literally published online a map of everywhere that his vehicle went over. I can't remember who it was, or uh, it, it may have been that same guy. I'm not entirely sure, but it, it, you know, it was maybe a 20 mile drive that he had taken and they came back and they were like, look, we can tell you exactly where you've been. And it was by utilizing like six different measures to, to monitor him. And it was yeah. like, that's insane. I'm sure the United States has that capability too, but we have protections against that. So yeah. man, I, I, I found that pretty fascinating for you guys. It's, it's sad. Yeah. Um, pretty scary stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about one other thing. Hold on. You said something. Oh, kangaroos. So like here we have, you know, deer or hogs or or whatever, like we go hunt and all sorts of stuff, but do you guys really like hunt? Like here kangaroos are like this fascinating creature that we all love because we don't have them, but are they really like as aggressive and hunt? Like, do you guys really hunt them often there? Um, They're not really aggressive, but they are considered so if you're a farmer and there's a, there's a, a bunch of kangaroos uh, eating all your crops, you're going to be a little bit angry about that. And the fact that they can kind of jump over a, uh, a pretty tall fence as well, like maybe seven feet fence, no worries for them, uh, means that, you know, you try to build a tall fence and they can still even jump over that as well. So uh, there's, there's a little luck of protecting your crop if you're a farmer. Uh, but there's also the fact of, you know, we have the ability to be able to kind of see, okay, we're going through a period of drought pretty soon. You'll have X amount of kangaroos that will literally starve to death, which is the normal part of life. What do you do? Well, some options for that. Uh, so some people will kind of say, okay, look, we're, we're going through a drought. Kangaroos are basically going to be starving, so we need to be able to cull maybe about 20,000 of them. Uh, it's either that or they starve to death. So, yeah, so I, I know a lot of people that would uh, hunt kangaroos. They'll hunt them for their meat, which they are. Uh, That's what I was going to say. Their meat is really good from what I understand. Yeah, well, it, it's, I've, I've been told, like, I've actually had some, some cuts of kangaroo, and it actually tastes 
very tender, but there's certain cuts that are very tender cuts, and there's other cuts that are quite gamey and quite tough um, of, of kangaroo. But yeah, no, there's quite a lot of people when I have some mates as well that would hunt kangaroo. Um, I never went down that path because I was still trying to go get my license to be able to obtain a firearm, but um, I don't know. I, I hadn't actually. It uh, reminds me of that meme of the woman from the Titanic where it's like 85 years later. <laughs> Yeah, I was always gonna. I was, I was thinking to myself because I was thinking that you know we we kind of have this tendency to be able to go down to the supermarket. It's all prepackaged and kind of presented in a certain way that you don't actually see the animal behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you know you're probably a bit more inclined to be able to waste certain parts of the animal, or you know, especially where we could be, and they don't really, you know, if they're not hungry, and you have that mentality as well. Oh, I'm full, or you want to just chuck out the meat. Uh, but I have some mates as well that have gone hunting for kangaroos. And they said one of the things that it does is that it respects you to be able to utilize as much meat as you can because it's not a pleasant thing to be able to do, to be able to kill an animal. If you don't kill it on the first shot, it's obviously suffering. It's not really a pleasant thing. Um, but I've had mates that have said, look, you know, rather than kind of be a hypocrite and, you know, make somebody else do all the dirty work for you to be able to nicely buy it in a supermarket, why don't you go out there yourself and you'll actually appreciate, you know, that an animal has lost its life to be able to give you and your family food. Uh, and, you you know, you respect it more that way. Right. Their way of looking at it. That and also the, the fact that, you know, during certain periods, it's a, it's a natural fact that parts of Australia will go into drought and that a lot of animals will quite literally start, literally, literally starve to death. So, you know, it's actually not a pleasant thing, but it's a more humane thing uh, when it comes to hunting kangaroos. Um, over in Australia. So, yeah, that was something that I never got around to doing, uh, being in Panama now, but uh, who knows what the future holds. Um, while I don't actively want to go out hunting, I, I am interested in using uh, firearms, I guess, while I'm here, which is one of the privileges that you can get to be in Panama. So uh, I'd be keen to be able to learn yeah, how, to, how to fire a few shots, so to speak. Very cool. Um Okay, so I want to touch on one other subject real fast. Um, so I had a theory that Australia would be a large factor or come into play with the tension rising between the United States and China over Taiwan. And it turns out that um, at the expense of the relationship between the United States and Europe, um, the I think it's AUSPAC or something, the AUKUS Pact or whatever, the um, pact between the United States, the United Kingdom, and Australia for the allowance of Australia to build the nuclear-powered submarines. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I do actually. Yeah, so there has been a bit of controversy in the uh, news about that as well because initially it was supposed to be France that was supposed to be correct to be able to build our uh, our submarines. Uh, and we kind of, well, sort of stabbed them in the back uh, because we see the U.S. politically as our protector from big, bad China, which you know, is probably very much the case. But uh, Australia has this kind of love-hate, uh, at least it appears to have this kind of love-hate relationship towards China. Uh, it's our biggest trading partner. So currently China is the one that buys all of our iron. Uh, so whenever they say, hey, why don't you do this? Australia will be kind of begrudgingly gritting their teeth and, and, you know, doing what they can to be able to get the deal, so to speak, because 
think about 30% of our trade is with China, and that's a huge, that's, that's a huge bit, bit of money for us. Um, but also, I guess, security-wise, uh, as we see the U.S. as being, um, you know, uh, our protector in a way, uh, is, is one way to be able to see it, that they'll, they'll kind of look at, um, you know, whenever whenever China wants to do something, they'll kind of go along until the U.S. says, that, that's maybe enough now, you know, we'll, you know maybe you shouldn't do that. And, and, you know, so anything that's kind of militarily speaking uh, will be more inclined to be able to side with the U.S., uh, but also kind of having to be aware that, yes, China is our largest trading partner. So, you know, you don't want to, I guess, It's interesting because I had a theory before this took place that there was a possibility that in an effort to, I guess, extricate themselves from their reliance on trade from the United States, that they would then turn to Australia for more of their, um, like their other resources besides iron. Like they would start looking to you guys for more food resources. And, um, and then attempt to, I guess, woo Australia away from a relationship with the United States on their behalf. And I wonder with this type of agreement, it's really interesting to me that this was, was orchestrated and the technology that Australia will be utilizing to create these submarines will be technology from the United States. So there's a huge part of me that wonders is Australia going to protect that information and, or does China come in and say, okay, we'll do this with you. You give us these submarines that you're building with United States research and we'll take on these people. You know, like I, I think about it from like the game of risk, right? Like it, it's, it's really interesting to see some of these partnerships. It's like, you are publicly doing one thing, but behind their back, shaking hands with somebody else. Like it, it feels a little bit um, more nefarious or, I mean, for Australia, it's obviously you have to do what's best for your own country. So I think it's going to come down to, do I want a better relationship with China or do I want a better relationship with the United States? And I wonder the reason that I brought this up is I, I see it, introvert, right? Like I'm looking at my own country and how we handled like the Afghanistan withdrawal. And I think that a lot of countries see us as a weak nation with Joe Biden at the helm because he's so incompetent at this point. And, and so is his second command, right? Like we have an incompetent administration. Yes. Militaristically, we're still a powerhouse. We still have a great economy. We still have, you know, like we are still a great nation, but our figureheads that are representing our nation, in my opinion, project a very weak image on the world stage. And I'm curious if you see a country like Australia looking at that and saying, you know what, the U.S. really isn't that great anymore because of the representation that we have for our country. Um, I think that uh, in terms of uh, military conflicts, Australia and the U.S. has basically been Every war on the same side ever since I don't know, what, what was it, World War One or so. So pretty much every armed conflict, you name it, uh, Korean War, Vietnam War, Iraq War. Um, there's there's been an Australian 
in some degree fighting side by side with uh, the US, uh, with the US soldier uh, for yeah for almost the past hundred years or so. So there is that that close knit, um, friendly attitude towards one another. Um, in terms of how well we'll be able to keep your nuclear submarine technology a secret is something that, yeah, that, that could actually be a bit of a concern. Um, I was privy to a bit of information from one of the last jobs that I had, which was um, I was contracted to a government uh, organization, which I got to hear a very funny story, that uh, basically Australia was building a new secret base somewhere in Australia, uh, and they were basically going to try to get the tender out to be able to say, okay, who wants to be able to win this contract to be able to build this new base? Um, and they released very few details. And China comes out, basically says, hey, we'll build it. Hey, we've already even got these plans that we've stolen from you. Um, can we build it? And, you know, obviously from that, I was like, well, okay, now we're going to have to consider everything, but you're clearly off the list. Um, but, yeah, China will, will just have pretty amazing things to be able to kind of uh, get uh, secrets from Australia. Uh, I've also, well, I've, I've heard of attempts as well that, uh, that China have put on Australia. So, for example, if there's a government building um, and, you know, there's a building right next to it that's going to be knocked down, uh, China will opt to try to buy that building to be able to knock it down and build and possibly try to tunnel their way to be able to get into fiber optics or something like that. So they'll basically lowball, not really wow. actual real estate of what a building's worth, but to be able to buy it. So that way they can send their engineers down or spies to be able to try to find fiber optic cables. Uh, and sometimes it's a little bit obvious because they do it right next to a building that's you know, or, or very close to a government building. Right. Uh, so their, their tactic is to just basically almost give a ridiculously high figure and you know, almost waste money on the building. So they can do things because they've got the financial muscle to be able to do it. And you know, if, if you're a developer, you would keep dollar signs and you'd be like, Yeah, sure, why not? Let's go for that. So how well Australia will be able to protect uh, US secrets? Uh, look, I, I don't know. Um you, you be the judge from the stories that I've kind of heard and how well those stories uh, are actually holding water. Right. Um yeah. Oh, man. What about, um, so the second part of that question, from a projection perspective, do you think that other countries around the world perceive the United States as being weak? Um, I would probably have to say, to be honest, yeah, in a sense, uh, with figureheads like Joe Biden. And look, I mean, uh, from my own point of view as well, even Trump was an unusual choice as well. Right. Um, Obama, again, just trying to, while I didn't agree with a lot of his policies and a lot of things that he's done in the US, he was at least very charismatic and he carried himself pretty well. Uh, if I'm to look for, uh, I guess, pros as to what he was, you know, he, he appeared as somebody that was a very smooth talker. Um, you look at him and you say to yourself, yeah, he looks like a president, you know, he carries himself very well. Um, although some of the, the things that he kind of, enacted was, you know, a little bit alarming. But, yeah, look, I mean, I'm just trying to think as to when I actually 
respect to the U.S. president, sorry to say. Yeah, I know that's um, exactly what I, as you're naming off presidents, I'm like, oh, we were weak then too. Oh, we looked weak then too. Like, (laughs) it's like, I I don't think that we've had anybody that represents the United States as I see her in my mind. I don't, I don't Mm. think we've had anybody that actually steps into that role and really personifies or represents what I think we are as a country. So I can see that. I'm thinking the founding uh, founding fathers of the U.S., that's you you would want somebody like that right like you want a george washington like you want somebody who's like 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 fuck you like be free go do what you have to do yeah yeah and there's probably been a number of george washington's that haven't been president that you don't see because you know they they don't fit the agenda of the elite that really control things from behind the scenes um yeah so whether that be like Jackson or a George Washington, somebody that has that, that fight in them. It seems that anyone that gets elected now, and this is probably true for most countries around the world, if you're not willing to sell out, you're not going to get into that permission because you're not going to right. be able to be able to kind of get you that extra leverage to be able to get into a top position like that. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll ever see a George Washington again. I certainly hope so. And there's a guy I- actually you should check him out um there's a gentleman named joe kent which i know obviously you're not into american politics like that i'm that's not what i'm saying but there's somebody that you should check out he to me personifies what america should look like his name is joe kent he's running in um the state of washington in the third district um he's he's running in the primary for the republican party but I hope that someday he's standing on the stage as president of the United States. Cause if I were to pick somebody that really did resemble and personify what that means to me, it would be him. Mm-hmm. He's really, yeah, look, I mean, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I might look into it, but, uh, yeah, look, honestly. Yeah. Uh, You're like, I'm in I Panama. I'm say- going to the beach tomorrow. I don't <laughs> care about this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, I mean, look, ultimately we're, yeah, a little bit of having a holiday here, but ultimately I'm, I'm kind of looking for, you know, where it's going to be a safe, well, where it's going to be a secure place that I can kind of establish my family. Right. Um, and, Have uh, you guys given any consideration to coming here? Uh, Is that a thought for you guys at all? Look, yeah, definitely. We were looking into the West. Um, I applied for a position at Southwest Airlines um, in Texas. And... I was sure to apply for a position there, and then they basically announced that they were going to be uh, mandating the vaccine. So I said, please withdraw my application from this position. I will look for another opportunity. Um, I said, oh, I was to hear about that. And then, uh, well, certainly I didn't really hold much sway on that, but a few weeks later, I'm going to be reversing that uh, decision to be able to uh, mandate the other uh, vaccines. And then I'll think to myself, will they reach out to me or <laughs> will they say, no, 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 you can continue to apply for the position. But uh, look, I don't know. Look, I, I kind of stood a little bit in solidarity of, of people that, you know, were looking at the threat of not having a paycheck if they don't go through a medical procedure that they're not too sure of. So right. um, that, that was something that I kind of decided to do. But look, I mean, yeah, so I'll, I'll be looking for maybe some jobs over Texas. Um, because, yeah, I've been able to apply for a job. Uh, it's probably one of the surefire ways of being able to get into the U.S. I'm not too sure of uh, if you would need an IT manager like myself in the U.S. or an architect. 
my wife. Um, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll be looking for a few jobs. But in the meantime, we kind of wanted to stabilize ourselves a little bit here before looking at the next thing. Because sure, sure. Three months or so to be able to kind of uh, cement in our, our visa here so we can make sure that it's from three months to two years. Um, but yeah, then definitely we're going to be looking around a bit more, seeing where, you know, where, where freedom might lie, you know, where we might be able to kind of settle down in, in an area that, uh, you know, respects people's rights. Right, <laughs> sure. More than what uh, Australia seems to really be showing now. Yeah. Man, I hate, I, I, I hate that. I hate that you've lived your whole life there. You were getting ready to build a house. You had landed your dream job and a country's oppression literally forced you and your family out of the country. Like it, you know, you're a prime example of what, what it looks like when you're not behaving as a servant to the people, but as, as an oppressor. And I, I, I commend you also. I want to say that, you know, very clearly to you so that you understand how much respect and how much, um, pride I have that someone like you exists because there are plenty of people who will run their mouth and say, Oh, I stand for freedom. Here's my line. Oh, you mean I have to give this up? Okay, fine. Like, and they give in, um, you made a choice to do what was best for you and your family. And it was not an easy one. I cannot imagine how difficult that decision was for you. So I just, I really want to recognize you for that and say how admirable and how awesome it is that you stood by your principles and, and made the decision that you did. So um, I do want to, to say that very clearly. Uh, look, and, and thanks for that. I, I appreciate that greatly as well. Uh, and yeah, look, you're, you're perfectly right in saying that, yeah, there's a lot of people that will, will talk the talk, uh, but when it comes to walking the walk, and I've seen this over in Twitter land as well, a lot of people that are saying, oh, I'll never do this, I'll never do that. Uh, and, and it's like, well, okay. I don't want to give my my cafes or my restaurants and then they buckle. Uh, and, and I've seen that quite a lot um, of people that you know have quite a lot of followers. They're basically saying that yet they'll never subject themselves to you know this, this tyranny. And then it's like, well, actually, I've got to pay the bills. Uh, and look, it's 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 a huge thing, right? You know, because if you've got kids and you know you don't have any substantial savings, then it's, it's a lot easier for somebody to try to say, okay, you're doing this or else, because, you know, if you can't see a way that you're going to be able to live uh, past months or three months from now, you know, that, that, yeah, you can understand why a lot of people would buckle. But um, one of the things that I kind of saw as well is that uh, a lot of the struggles that the founding fathers in the West had to actually go through when they went through the revolution, you know, they were pretty much people like you and me, you know, there's nothing that really made them special. Uh, and, you know, when they were getting their houses burnt down or they were getting shoved off their land, you know, that there were real people with real problems like you and me, you know, they just wanted a place to be able to live. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it certainly becomes real when you have land or your house. A lot of people talk about in the U.S. freedom, but, you know, when somebody's coming out of your house, and even if it's just this house, well, it's not my house. Yeah, but uh, in Australia, unfortunately, we, we don't have that same mentality. I've seen a lot of mentality like that over in the US. 
Um, but it's a shame that you guys are a little bit further away from where I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, seems to be a lot of expats as well here in uh, in Panama, which is interesting. And you mentioned that as well uh, before. So um, look, I'm hoping to meet up with a few people. It was interesting though. I saw um, a couple from Canada. They basically said, your accent sounds funny. Where are you from? I said, I'm, I'm from Australia. And their immediate response was, oh, so you're escaping too, are you? <laughs> Absolutely, we are. <laughs> and it's just amazing that uh, you, know, you kind of get along with somebody from the other side of the world and straight away you just realize, oh, yeah, you're escaping? Yes. And then they start to say all the things that are happening in Canada and we're saying all the things that are happening in Australia. So, I mean, we spread that way just from, from some conversation like that. But, um, yeah, look, I mean, I don't know if you ever want to come to Panama. I'm sure to kind of post you a little bit once I get my bearings around here. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. Um, before I let you go, because I have kept you for so long, um, before I let you go, please tell everyone where they can um, follow you on. I always I always ask people to share like your handle and stuff like that, where they can get in contact with you. I don't know if you maybe have um, a blog space or anything like that, but please share that so that they can find you. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, look, if, if anyone's on Twitter, that's pretty much the only kind of social media that I've I've got initially had the accounts with basically troll leftists, which was a bit fun about two years ago, but then I've kind of found other uses for it as well. But yeah, look, if anyone wants to be able to follow along me on Twitter, I'm known as M Matinist, uh, or otherwise Master Matinist on Twitter. So by all means, if you want to follow along, I'm going to post some findings that I found over here in Panama and I'm also trying to actually encourage other people from. Australia, that you know, hey, you don't have to be beholden to whatever government says. Options and options are not as I can really. Um, so yeah, so if anyone does want to follow me along there, then I'll be happy to follow back. Awesome, thank you so much, Matt. I'm so glad we were able to make this work. Please take care and have a wonderful night. Thank you very much. I appreciate you well. Uh, all the best to you too. Take care. All right, you take care. Bye bye. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to be notified whenever we have another episode come up, please subscribe. We are available on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen. Please make it a great day in America. This is the country where few people leave, too many people want to enter, and dead people still vote. Take care. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death!